1: What's up, fellas? Welcome back to Converse Over Cold Brew with me, your host, Emma Abrahamson. Today we're talking to Grayson Murphy, who is a professional runner for Saucony, and she is a professional runner in a lot of different facets, so that is track, road racing, trail racing, mountain running. She is also an entrepreneur, and she's a very busy lady, and we talk about a bunch of different things on this episode, so stay tuned. Also, a big update, we are now on Patreon. So if you want an exclusive bonus episode, ad-free episodes, exclusive content, early access to merch, live streams, and more, subscribe to Patreon. The link is in the show notes. And it also really helps support the podcast. I really want to continue growing it, hopefully do video again one day. And yeah, just getting access to bonus content. I really want to make it a community on there. So go check out the Patreon. If you guys are an avid fan of the podcast, it would mean so much if you took the time to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It only takes 15 seconds, I swear, and it helps grow the podcast organically, and I'm able to get more high-profile guests because it just establishes credibility. It seriously only takes 15 seconds, and I also love reading your reviews, so go check that out, please. It would mean so much to me. This episode is brought to you by Insight Tracker. Do you want to run farther and faster and recover quicker and easier? Do you want to feel healthier than you've ever felt before? You need to make a change, and that's what inside Tracker is all about. Founded by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometric data from MIT, Tufts, and Harvard, inside Tracker is a professional with health and wellness platform like no other. What's their secret? First, inside Tracker uses its patented algorithm to analyze your body's data and offer you a clearer picture that, than you've ever had before of what's going on inside you. Then, Inside Tracker provides you with a concrete, science-backed, trackable action plan for reaching your performance goals and being your healthy best. For me personally, when I got my blood work done, I realized I had super high cortisol levels. And I've always thought of myself as a stress-free person, so that was really interesting to find out. And I literally would have had no idea if I didn't get this done. And then using their science-backed trackable action plan, I've been able to make the nutritional changes I need to help lower my cortisol levels on a day-to-day basis. So it's super helpful and it's super informative. And Inside Tracker is offering my listeners a 25% off discount to their entire store. So just go to inside tracker.com slash Emma because change is the inside job. That's inside tracker.com slash Emma. Raisin, welcome to the podcast. I'm super excited to have you on. You are a very highly requested guest, so I'm sure we've got we've got a lot of questions to get into today.
2: <laughs> I'm honored. Thank you so much for having me. I have my coffee and I'm ready.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm sadly out of um, cold brew, but you know I'll have to make do today. But to get started, do you want to just give a little bit of a rundown of who, of who you are and what you're about? Sure.
2: Um, I run for Saucony, and I kind of dabble in trail and road and track running. Um, can't really be tied down, I guess. <laughs> and I live in Bozeman, Montana currently, but I'm originally from Salt Lake, and I went to the University of Utah and ran there. And then um, what else? I kind of, I am kind of an entrepreneur. I have my own um, training logs and planners that I like to sell. So that's kind of my side hobby that I really enjoy um, trying to do and figuring out like a business side of things. And then I also am really passionate about sustainability stuff and I'm getting my graduate degree in that. So that also tends to be something I talk about a lot. So kind of a grab bag of things, but
1: (laughs) I can only imagine how busy you are on a day-to-day basis, balancing (laughs) all of that with training and you're in school, man.
2: (laughs) I like to stay busy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, clearly. Well, we'll get into all that, but to start off, um, so I know that you got your, your introduction into running through soccer Mm -hmm. or like, I guess, what was your first experience with running?
2: definitely yeah soccer like running on the soccer field or like conditioning um summer conditioning for soccer was always terrible and we i thought holy cow we're running like miles we probably weren't running that far we were probably running like 2 miles at the most but it felt like forever so that was my first introduction and then to like actual running training um when i was switching over my sophomore year from playing soccer in college to running that was like my first real time when I was introduced to running as a sport on its own.
1: So how did you switch from soccer to running then? Like, was the coach like, hey, you should switch <laughs> sports? <was>
2: my team. <laughs> well, I was playing soccer at a D3 school and just was really over the sport. And so I decided to transfer and uh, I picked a school for engineering. That's what I got my undergrad degree in. Um, and then was like, well, I don't want to be in a sorority. So I guess I'll try and walk onto a team because how else am I going to make friends and I emailed the coach and was like I ran soccer or I played soccer um I had run one track meet in high school as a dare from my friends me and my twin sister did so I had like two times to give them an 800 and a 400 that I ran like in trainers um (laughs) And I was like, I run in soccer, I'd really appreciate if you like, let me try out or walk on to this team. And he was like, sure, we have a spot that the team is Santa Clara and they're great coaches, but they don't have like a high level of talent. So they were like, whatever, you can be on our team.
1: (laughs) Very interesting. So then you transferred twice because you went to Santa Clara and then you went to Utah. Yeah. So why'd you go to Utah then?
2: So after two years at Santa Clara, I had progressed significantly in running, and then I was like, wow, I really enjoy this, and it would be great for me and my wallet and my parents' wallet if I could get a scholarship for this to get school paid for, so I decided to transfer back to Utah um, and just like get the chance to have a sports scholarship and compete in the Pac-12, which was really cool, and then I also that's when I started dreaming about running professionally. And I knew that I needed like the resources and just environment to be able to do that, that I'd get at Utah. So kind of a factor of things, but yeah.
1: So what was the first school that you were at?
2: Um, Sweet Briar college in Virginia.
1: Sweet man. You were all all over the place.
2: (laughs) Were you like hesitant
1: to transfer again? Because that's like a big deal. Like you're moving your whole life.
2: Yeah. Originally The plan, I was kind of originally looking to transfer as a fifth year grad student, but then when I was talking to these coaches and I just started the process early enough, they were like, well, why don't you just come for two years instead of one? And I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. That saves a lot of money. Um, So that's kind of why I picked Utah was because it was going home for me. So I kind of knew I'm mitigating some risk, like at least if it blows up in my face, I'm at home in a familiar city living close to where I grew up with my family so at least I've got that going for me.
1: Yeah what do you think was like the biggest difference between soccer training and track training like what was the biggest surprise as well?
2: Um well I didn't know about like GPS watches I didn't know like running watches or (laughs) anything when I first got to Santa Clara and so i had I didn't have one, obviously. And then I had to learn like about running shoes and um spikes. I'd never worn those before. And then just I think the training is a little more intense. Um like a lot of soccer is not painful in the way that like track training is painful. so that was kind of different.
1: <laughs> yeah, I could imagine. I just can't imagine like learning the sport of running though while you're running d one in college.
2: It was interesting. I think it was kind of like a, you either learn it or you're going to get spit out and chewed up. <laughs> it was kind of like do or die. But yeah, I had teammates too. And they were very, I think they thought it was funny that I was asking them like, well, how far is 5k? And how do you run a cross country meet? And I think they were They're really nice. And I owe them a lot for teaching me stuff really quickly.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that that is very nice to have understanding teammates. I feel like it'd be just fascinating. And to see your improvement too is probably wild. Like, would you say when you first started running, like you were already pretty good? Or did you just show improvements over the years?
2: I think both I started. I definitely would say I started at like a decent level. But my first cross-country season like the beginning of that I was in the slowest workout group and then but by the end I had progressed to be in the fastest workout group on our team Um, so seeing that and I think that was part of what like drew me into the sport was the huge learning curve and just like 10 second PRs like every race and PRing in the mile like in a 5k and just seeing like that improvement has been kind of intoxicating which isn't necessarily a good thing because now I've set myself up to where I'm like oh if I don't PR by 15 seconds I'm it was a bad race or something
1: yeah that that is hard once you get to that certain level it's like a 0.5 second PR (laughs) in the mile is a good thing so it is crazy and I feel like I miss having those big jumps. You know, mm-hmm. it's so it's so fun to have those massive jumps. You're like, I improved so much. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then by the time you get to college, it's like one second is good. You're oh. Like, oh.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. My high school was kind of my college years. I like to think, and then my pro years are like condensing. Everything is like a very condensed timeline.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like it. Um, so then you went to Utah. You had a very successful career there what was the difference between Utah and Santa Clara experience?
2: Um, probably just like the level of competition was raised and the bar was raised. And then I think to the PAC 12 in Utah is really fortunate to have the resources to give like great training room access and a fueling station for the athletes. And that was something we didn't have at Santa Clara, which I think they do now actually. But when I was there, they didn't have, the resources for that so having access to all of that was a big improvement Um, but also competing in the Pac-12 one of the strongest conferences that was a big step up and you kind of have to like step up your game too because you're competing against the best girls in the country.
1: And then when did you know that you wanted to make it your career?
2: Mm, Well when I got to Utah that was one of my goals was to run professionally when I graduated, um, so kind of with that in mind, we moved forward doing training and racing with everything like that as the end goal. So yeah, that was kind of the impetus for moving or transferring the second time.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you have to keep track of all of them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then you've made a few moves too in the post grad experience. So do you want to take us through like the timeline of that and why? You were moving from place to place?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm sick of moving now, but.
1: Hey, I understand. (laughs) I've moved a lot as well.
2: Uh, So, my first year out of college, I went to Flagstaff to compete for NAZ Elite. And that was a really cool experience. Um, Just obviously, some of the best women distance runners in the country. So, being able to learn from them for a year was really cool. But at the end of that year, I kind of realized it just wasn't. The right fit for me personally in terms of what I wanted more out of life um, and then maybe parts of training I think my training age is still so low that uh, I just can't be doing the high volume that a lot of older more experienced runners can yet so I think that was part of it too but I also just missed having a support system and I missed like family and friends and my boyfriend and just having all of that. So I moved back to Salt Lake after that year and started running just solo. Um, I was unsponsored for a couple months and that's why I started trail running, which was just like a fun outlet, something I wanted to try. And it turned into more than that by the end of that year. Um, But then that's when I got uh, picked up by Saucony and then I've been with them since. And then last June, I moved again uh, to Bozeman and that was because my boyfriend competes. Um, he wrote, he skis professionally for a team here in Bozeman. So he had to move for that. And I figured I'd come along because it's a pretty cool place to live. So now I'm here.
1: So do you have a training group out there? Or are you just training by yourself?
2: Mostly by myself. Um, McKenna Morley is out here too. Uh, she ran for CU and is with ASICS now. Um, so we try and link up as much as we can And today we got to do our workout together, which was really nice in the wind. Um, So, yeah, we have (laughs) a training group of two, I would say. (laughs) And then I do a lot alone, too.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Was it hard to make the decision to leave NAZ Elite if that was, like, one of your main goals in college? Like, obviously being a sponsored runner, like, it's pretty daunting to go into the unknown and, like, being unsponsored. So was it – how hard was the decision?
2: It was really hard and I took it pretty seriously and definitely it was like a week's long decision process of making sure it was going to be the right thing for me. But I just, because it does look good on paper and I think that was the hard part was it kind of is like the ultimate goal to be on a team like that. And I thought it was my ultimate goal too. So like reckoning that that doesn't have to be what success looks like to me. Was kind of hard to process. Um, and it was hard too, because there are some people saying I shouldn't do it. So it's hard to hear that and do it anyway. But I think I just came down to like what's going to make me happy as a person and a human and outside of running. And that meant not being there or being on that team. So yeah, it was hard. And then walking out of a contract was like, what am I doing? Is this like the worst decision I've ever made? Is it going to pay off? Um, but I think I couldn't think, afford to think like that. So I had to keep telling myself to just bet on myself and that it would pay off. And it did. But it was definitely a limbo of a couple months where I was racing sometimes when I didn't want to, but just so I could like get things paid for. Um, so that was a challenging couple months, a little stressful, but it paid off. So I would recommend it to everyone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you stay motivated in those, in those couple months after you left?
2: um well a lot of it was kind of like do or die again like I either do well and make money or I can't pay rent um, or I'm gonna have to get like a normal job which I was working part-time kind of part-time like 10 hours a week for an engineering firm which is something I've done throughout running professionally Um, but even more than it was more of a necessity than sometimes it's just like I'm bored so I'll do it but then it was like bored. (laughs) yeah
1: yeah so yeah (laughs) you've taken quite a few risks I would say like have you regretted any of them because I mean I'm in the same boat I've I've transferred I've moved like five times I feel like um and all have been pretty risky but have you personally regretted any of the ones that you've made
2: no because I'm really happy with where I'm at now and I think it all paid off and now I have like a ton of freedom And I don't have to take risks anymore because it's all like covered and I've got the support I needed. I just needed to prove that to sponsors and kind of get a job back and it worked.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that just shows that taking risks does pay off. So I'm a big advocate as well of yeah. taking risks. So Grayson it. and I are both the ones that have proven that it's a great thing to do. So go do that if you would like. Um, within
2: reason. <laughs>
1: yeah, within reason. You know, you gotta think, think it out first, <laughs> weigh the pros and cons, but take the risk. Yeah. Um, well, I wanna dive into like the difference between like your- Road racing, your track racing, your trail racing, your mountain racing—like, <laughs> I feel like four very different things. Um, so, how did you get into? Like, was trail running your first? I guess so. It probably went track racing, then road racing, mm-hmm. then trail racing. <laughs> yes. So when did you got into the longer stuff? Probably with Naz Elite, mm-hmm. I would assume. Yeah. And then how did you get into the trail side of things?
2: I just on a whim um i did like going on trail runs and so then i thought well, why can't i race on it if other people are doing it it can't be that hard um naively i thought oh i'll, I'll just give it a go and there was a local trail race on my birthday in 2019 so I figured that will be a fun birthday present. I'll just go do this, and I had a high school friend that was doing it, so I just signed up with her. And
1: man, you're a true, <laughs> you're a true runner. If you say this is a great birthday present, let me go rip my body on the trails for my birthday. Happy birthday to me!
2: <laughs> go, Grayson. Um, yeah. So I just jumped in, and I it was a blast. I ended up getting second, and. Uh, It was, yeah, I just had a ton of fun, but it was so different than a road race or a track race. And I think part of why I liked it was because it was so unexpected and just different. And you're hiking, you're like climbing rocks at points (laughs) because it was so steep. You were like scrambling up rocks and there was snow still by then in uh, almost July so it was fun on the descent because you're just like glissading down like sliding on your butt and on your hands and knees and like (laughs) I would never be doing this in a track or a road race like I would never be walking or sliding on my butt um so I was kind of hooked and it was super fun so I just kept doing it for the rest of that fall and yeah it was
1: how long was that first original race
2: it was I think just over six miles but it took like an hour and 15 minutes
1: okay so not too long it's not like you're jumping into like ultra no yeah (laughs) yeah ultra racing
2: (laughs) reasonable
1: (laughs) so what's the difference between like the track community and like the road racing community compared to like the trail running community because two very different sports I mean you're never going to catch me sliding on my hands or (laughs) on my butt sliding down snow like I don't think that's in my future So I feel like there just has to have different types of people in each. I
2: think, yeah. And that was part of what drew me to trail running too. is because I realized, I was like, I have a lot of trail runner friends. Um, So I'm obviously like-minded, I think, outside of like where we're racing. So why shouldn't I do this? But I would say the trail people tend to be um, just a lot less intense and a lot more free-spirited. Than a lot of, <laughs> no, I say to put it, than a lot of like the um, track and road people, um which I think you can get, it tends to be pretty black and white on track and road. And trail running is kind of like cross country in that every race is different. Even every day on the same course could be different. So there's not a time element as much as just like going out and competing. So I like that part of it. Um, and then I would say, too, I think trail running definitely draws, like, a little bit more of the adventurous adrenaline junkie type because there are definitely, like, the downhill portions running fast, that is, like, pretty dangerous, Objective. It's scary,
1: dude. I can't even run down, like, a road downhill. I'm yeah. like, ah!
2: So, like, thinking – And I think that's why I like steeple too, because sometimes I think like, wow, I could really hurt myself. How exciting. (laughs) I think I would be like kind of an adrenaline junkie if I got to jump out of planes or something. So I think that kind of person tends to trend more towards trail running than like the road and track crowd.
1: (laughs) That is so interesting because these races are so hard, especially mentally. Like you would think that they would be like, I don't know super hard you know but I I mean I can even see it from an outsider's perspective like track I feel like track athletes are just so ah and trail runners are like ah like (laughs) yeah I don't know why that is though like what what makes them that way I don't know
2: maybe well they are really hard so I always thought you kind of have to be like lighthearted about it because sometimes the races are so hard and you're like, I'm not gonna make it to the top of the mountain.
0: Yeah. And then you
2: get there, like, how am I gonna get down? Um and it's hard not to be happy when you're like the views you get are when you're up there are just like insane. You want to take pictures of everything. So it's hard to not be dancing around at the top. And I don't yeah. I always feel like oh this road run is beautiful. I need to take pictures of it.
1: Yeah. That I mean that makes sense. And it's like you don't see people stopping and taking pictures on their regular easy yeah. runs if they're like a track athlete. But also I don't know that many people that opt for the mountains when they're like a track athlete either. Yeah. So including myself, I don't opt for the hills. So it's a special kind of person. And I I give a lot of props to those trail runners and ultra runners and mountain runners out there. But then mountain running, I feel like that's different than all of the I don't know, any other kind of racing. Because I ran the World Mountain Running Championships when I was in high school. I was on the junior team.
2: That's so cool.
1: Yeah, but I I wouldn't say that. Um, I did not know how to prepare. And I was horrified when I pulled up to the course and saw that, what it was. Because I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. But you won won the World Mountain Running Championships, right? In 2019? Mm -hmm. I don't think people understand how impressive that is because I feel like it's not as well known in like the track community or whatever but coming from someone who has run at the world mountain running level winning that race you have to be so good at running up hills (laughs) how do you run up like double black diamonds like that I don't get it
2: oh it's more of a hike than a run I would definitely say yeah not super fast, but it does feel Bro, like... Bro, I
1: was, like, walking up that thing. Like, I, it wasn't even a hike. I was just, uh, I was walking, and my heart rate had to be 200.
2: Oh, yeah. I think I always, um Andy Wacker, uh, he's a, a really great trail runner, but the before the race, he was like, yeah, mountain running's, like, an 800, but it lasts for an hour and a half. And I was like, no way. And then I did it. I was like, oh, my God, it was, like, an 800 for an hour and a half. Like, that's what it feels like. <laughs>
1: It is so wild. What was it like winning though? Like, did you go into the world championships being like, I'm going to win this?
2: Oh, no, I, no way. I just thought, oh, I could probably do pretty well, but I'd never competed internationally. And you hear about um, the Europeans being so good at especially downhill running. And so I was like, well, I I don't know what to expect. I've never seen these women run, but they they talked up like a big, uh, reputation so I just kind of went in like I'll just do what have whatever happens I guess and uh, I ended up in the front but the course was kind of interesting we started on the road and you had like maybe a mile to get to the trailhead. so it was still uphill but it was on a road so I thought okay now's my time to shine like if I'm going to get ahead of people I use the road section and then I'll let them catch me on the trail part. Um, but just no one ever like caught up and so I ended up going like line to line which I was I didn't it was pretty like did I cut a corner did I yeah, just confused You're like yeah I was like this was not supposed to happen and I think in the photos too you can tell I'm excited but I'm like I don't know if I just did that <laughs> legally or when. <laughs> like I'm sure I cut a corner somewhere um
1: that is so funny <laughs> was was the race because back when I did it, it was like straight downhill for the first half and then straight uphill. Was yours uphill and then downhill or was it just rolling?
2: Yeah, it was up. It was like rolling up and then pretty much like bomb straight down. Okay.
1: It was so wild, dude. Like those races are crazy. It was, mine was literally like a mile, 1.25 miles straight downhill. And I, I was not good at downhill running and I was just yeah, the Europeans—they went off on the downhill, and I was like, "How do people even run that fast?" And you would—it was like switchbacking downhill, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> and then it was straight uphill. There was probably ten meters of, of flat. It was wild, oh, but
2: of course, where was it?
1: It was in Poland. Oh,
2: that's cool.
1: Yeah, where was yours?
2: Argentina and Paraguay. Okay.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Well, I mean, I recommend everyone does a mountain race just to see what it's like. Yeah. <laughs> just to experience that pain and like that was the first race I've ever walked in in my life yeah. so I was like I like it had just never even crossed my mind to walk in a race yeah. and I had to walk
2: it's very humbling when you realize like it's just literally too steep to run you yeah. have to walk
1: yeah yeah man big shout out to today's sponsor which is Green Chef Green Chef is the first USDA-certified organic meal kit company. You can enjoy clean ingredients you can trust, seasonally sourced for peak freshness. You guys have heard me talk a lot about Green Chef. I am obsessed with them. My meal gain is taken to a whole nother level when I use the Green Chef box. They make eating well easy and affordable with plans to fit every kind of lifestyle. So whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, or vegetarian, or just looking to eat healthier like me, there's a range of recipes to suit any diet or preference. The meals take literally like 30 minutes or less and everything comes pre-measured, perfectly portioned, and mostly prepped so you can spend less time stressing and more time enjoying delicious home cooked meals. I seriously love all of the meals. I haven't had a meal that I didn't like. From Green Chef. If you're looking up like your meal game and you just want to make tastier, convenient meals, Green Chef is definitely the way to go. And they're also owned by Hello Fresh. And with a wider array of meal plans to choose from, there's something for everyone. So I like to switch between the brands just depending on when my taste buds change. If you guys are interested in checking out Green Chef, go to greenchef.com/90coldbrew and use code 90coldbrew to get $90 off, including free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash 90coldbrew and use code 90coldbrew to get $90 off including free shipping. Now let's get back into the episode. So what are you mainly focused on now?
2: Right now I'm doing track and I want to do trials and they have packed everything into May which (laughs) there's like two track meets a week in May so it'll be all pretty much May.
1: (laughs) Does your training differ depending on like I don't know what you're focused on because trail running is very different than yeah. racing on the track.
2: A little bit. Um I think the trail running stuff. I like that's why I kind of like to keep it on the I'm not doing ultras cuz I think that would be harder to switch off, but um right now like if you think about the 15k like I just did a couple weeks ago and those kind of races like even to half marathon, they take about an hour and 15 minutes, which time-wise is Pretty close to the um, mountain running stuff. So that works out pretty good. And then it's just when I get closer, I'll do a little more vert and just get used to, like, especially the downhill, too, like the um, muscle stuff coming downhill. You got to practice that a little bit so you don't get super sore. (laughs) Yeah. So I do that a little more when it's closer to trail season. But otherwise, it all kind of like fits pretty good in like a basic training plan and then obviously for track I want to do steeple so I'm adding like steeple stuff in now but um yeah it's it's a pretty good I think complement more than people would think at least uh, that's really cool it's really cool
1: though to be so talented and all like I feel like all different forms of running that's mm-hmm. very impressive to be able to like switch between whichever one depending on the time of year so I'm sure everyone's gonna be rooting for you this year I know I am <laughs> um, and just see what you're able to do. But I guess switching over, I'm very curious in like the social media side of things because you've been a big figure in social media. Like when did you start that? And yeah, I guess we'll just start there. um
2: I just I had a social like obviously everyone had like an Instagram, and I the name I can't even say I came up with. it was one of my teammates' ideas at Santa Clara. Um, she one day called me Racing and Grayson, and I was like, Oh, that's pretty funny. I'll change my Instagram name to that. Um, and then it just like kind of grew organically. I wasn't really trying to grow it, but then by the time I graduated and was going into the pro world, I kind of realized how big of an asset that can be as a pro runner, um, which I think some people give it a bad rap, but I really do think that um, for companies, it's like a great option, especially if you're. Not just like wearing clothes and looking nice, but if you're like speaking out on important topics um, that are meaningful. So I kind of just from there started kind of using it more as a platform um, to help me and my brand and sponsors and just like social justice, I guess. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so it just kind of has grown pretty organically, but now it's something that most of the time I enjoy. Sometimes it gets a little overwhelming, but I think that's probably everything.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I was going to ask next, like, what are the pros and cons of having a platform like that?
2: Pros definitely. It's really rewarding to hear when people say like you inspire them to do good, whether that was like seeking out a therapist for mental health or having the courage to transfer or like even just running that day. Um, It's like, that's pretty fulfilling. Um, But then definitely cons is you're putting yourself out there in a vulnerable position. And unfortunately, people take advantage of that, which is silly because someone's being vulnerable with you. um, You shouldn't like attack them in their vulnerability, but it happens. And so, yeah, dealing with that, too, is not fun, which I'm sure you've had doses of as well. But I definitely say there's like a 100 nice comments to the one stinging comment. And even though that's the one you remember, you have to put it into perspective.
1: Yeah, it's so true. And it's I think that's for any like person that has a platform like that. It's like mm-hmm. the one comment, the one mean comment is the one that sticks with you. And it's so dumb because you get 100 nice ones, yeah. but the one mean one. And it took me, I don't know, a couple of years to like be able to deal with the one mean comment. Did it was it like the same for you where you had like in the beginning to like, get to you more than it does now?
2: Um, yeah, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty soft. I guess I don't have a hard shell. So it's- Oh still, gosh,
1: social media is a hard place I, to be then.
2: It still gets to me. Um, so yeah, I just try and avoid, like, avoid Let's Run at all costs. Oh, uh,
1: <laughs> I I literally blocked myself from going on that site. Too. I hate Let's Run.
2: I've seen it twice and like both times have ended up in tears. And really- oh, same.
1: It literally yeah. caused me mental distress yeah. in college. <laughs>
2: So yeah, just kind of knowing boundaries and and not responding, not engaging with those people too has been a good practice to do. I think it's just to nip it in the bud and don't don't give myself time or space or waste my breath on those people.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like not replying to the comments. It's though it's hard because you want to defend yourself in some way. Mm-hmm. It's just best to not yeah. so be <laughs> not reply. Yeah. Don't engage. No
2: at all
0: costs
1: yeah do you think it's important for the sport because I feel like that's a hot topic like I don't know like building your brand and stuff do you think it's important for the sport of running
2: I do yeah and I think just as a human too um but it is as a pro runner you are kind of put on a pedestal and maybe you don't want to take the opportunities, but I kind of see it as like, oh, I have these opportunities to say something to 60,000 people, so it better be good, Um, because who gets that opportunity all the time? Not a lot of people do, so I want to take advantage of it and speak out at things that matter to me and should matter to other people, Um, and then I think, too, there's that whole debate of the sport is killing itself, and we need more fans to watch, but you need to get people engaged in the sport at a low level too, like with the athletes. So if someone can be like, oh, I talked to Grayson and she DM'd me back and then I'm going to pay now to watch her race on flow track. I think that's a really good um, circularity in the process of the sport.
1: Yeah, I really agree. I mean, I'm not a professional runner, but obviously I'm very ingrained in the running world. (laughs) And it's great to see people like you using your platforms for good. I mean, I don't know many people in the running world that like don't use their platforms for good, but there are people that like, I don't know, take advantage of having a big following, but um, I can only imagine, I feel like it just must be a lot of work though, to have that platform, because I know like, I mean, I still work out, you know, but I'm not a professional runner. Like how Do you think it's sustainable for like other professional runners to do what you do? Because I know how much work goes in behind it. And I know that's like a turnoff to a lot of pro runners who are like, oh, I don't want to put in the work to build my brand. Do you think it's worth it for them to do it?
2: I think if they feel like it's worth it to them personally, then it's worth it. Um, I wouldn't if you are if you think it's worthless and I wouldn't suggest spending all your time doing something you think is worthless. But if you can really find the meaning in it and look at how it'd be useful beyond your running career, because um, I see it, too, as like a kind of LinkedIn, I guess, of like networking and connections. And I've gotten connected with so many people, um, even outside of running just through the platform. That I think will be useful later in life too. And yeah, so I think for me it's worth it because I want to be having opportunities later in life. So it's kind of an investment in yourself. Um, but yeah, I would say too, like make it something that you feel like you're getting something out of, also personally.
1: Yeah. Like I've talked to some pro runners who are so anti-social media. They're like, my job is to run. (laughs) And those people, I feel like there's just not even a reason to try to grow the brand because if they don't enjoy doing it, then it's just pointless, you know? And if they don't believe in it, then it is pointless. But it's interesting to talk about. And I think it'll be interesting to see how like running media and people, influencers in the running world, like who pops up and who decides to Step up their Instagram game. I don't know. It's always just interesting to see. Do you have any favorite follows on Instagram?
2: Oh, um, well, I love following you, obviously.
1: Okay, don't
2: don't (laughs) let me blush. (laughs) And your sister. Um, I I think Molly Huddle does a great job. She's a person I think is a great example of someone that wasn't initially. Um, super social media based, but has made a transition to become more of an ambassador for the sport as times have progressed. And now she's got her own podcast and which is really awesome. Um, and then I think just on social media does a great job of highlighting like other people to follow that are important in the sport and making um, moves. And then I like following my friends too, <laughs> which sounds bad, but I think, that I see them as friends. I like, they're not just influencers to me, but I think that's kind of my perspective. They're not like competitors. They're like all my friends. Um,
1: yeah.
2: I like to keep that as like my MO. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's, I mean, I've never really seen social media as a competition because there's literally room for everyone. So I don't know why people get so competitive over it because it's, it doesn't make it, there's no limited amounts of no. anything. It's crazy. No. It's a be- weird world out there. <laughs> You can be
2: a good ambassador for the sport, too, and still be fast. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. And maybe because I got to the running world so late, I I started as a non-elite. So I think I've kind of kept that mentality. But I don't think you have to be like one or the other. I think you can be nice to people and encourage them to run while also being good yourself.
1: Yeah, exactly. I haven't raced since twenty eighteen, and I'm still kicking on the internet. You know, (laughs) there's room for everyone. You don't even have to (laughs) race. Yeah. See, there you go. Um, Okay, I want to dive into like the entrepreneur side of it because I feel like we have a lot in common. You know, we're social media people, um, runners, and entrepreneurs. So, how is the planner stuff going? And what, like, how did you come up with the idea? And kind of take us through the process of all of it.
2: Yeah, so it started as I was bored um, the summer after I finished college. and was like, what do I do with all this free time I suddenly have? So I started making a bullet journal just because I saw on Pinterest a lot of fun things. i was like, oh, I'll do that. Um, and then it turned into I wanted it to be like a training log. I've always kept a training log um, written and then also a planner, like a daily planner, because I was sick of carrying around like two books that did the same thing essentially so I made my bullet journal a combo of the two and then I had a lot of people asking where I had bought it and I was like no I made this I drew it um so then that winter I was like well I'm gonna try and sell this I guess we'll just see how it goes it'll be a fun another risk um risky venture but it should be a fun experience at the very least even if I lose all my money so i (laughs) Uh, had them made and printed and I managed to sell all of them and I basically just like broke even. I didn't make that much on them, but was really excited about it. And so then the next year um, they were gaining traction. So I did it again. And so this was the third year. And I've sold out all three years, and it's become a lot more lucrative than the first year was. (laughs) I'm figuring out like the kinks in the production process, and it's just been like a fun kind of side thing. I didn't major in business at all, so it's kind of a learn on the fly as you go and um, figure this out. And I've always kind of had an entrepreneurial spirit, I think. Like, I would sell like i had so many lemonade stands as a kid and (laughs) crafts on the side of the sidewalk. So (laughs) I think it was just a continuation of that. But I realized too, it was like people were genuinely really happy with the product. Um, And I got so many messages saying that it was a great product or that it like really helped them accomplish their goals. And that meant a lot to me. So I just wanted to keep doing it. Um, So now it's just become like kind of my side thing that I like to do. And it, yeah it's definitely more of a I get a lot out of it too um
1: <laughs> yeah I feel like that's must be so fulfilling and it's so cool probably to see people like have you seen anyone in day-to-day life using your planner
2: yeah yeah and I have like even my family just seeing them use it and I know they're biased but seeing that like going home and seeing it out just nonchalantly somewhere because someone using it was cool um yeah and it's been fun to see on Instagram people tag me and stuff and this year had a mental health special edition Uh, every year there's like a mental health journal prompt for every month and I like that because I've had a lot of people say that that's been good especially after 2020 and how hard that was for people so that too has been like really rewarding
1: yeah man I can imagine that that is so cool and I had your planner probably the first year the blue one um because you sent it to me and it was so cool and I like I have no idea how like that whole process works but it was like so professional looking and looked great um and I loved it so I I don't know I'm really inspired by your whole entrepreneurial thing what have you learned along the way do you think like what's the biggest learning lesson for you
2: um it's been practical things like just learning like How much stock, like how much product to buy and then how much to sell it for and how am I going to ship this to all these people because I've been shipping and packaging myself the last three years and it's kind of grown to where it's like maybe I should not be doing that all myself because there's too many. Um, And then kind of like the fun, I think the most fun part and maybe you felt this way too is learning how to market it. Um, in a way that's effective but not annoying to people and like how do you sell a product
1: <laughs> I know I, I still don't know I'm like always interested in marketing but that's probably like I mean I I study business I didn't learn that much about um entrepreneur stuff to be honest it's a lot of trial and error but marketing was always like my interests but I completely agree it's like how to not be annoying yeah (laughs) but I like I literally post my my bars every day I'm like eating a bar and everyone's like (laughs) probably like we know you eat it every day I'm like buy them
2: yeah please buy them
1: (laughs) yeah it is um interesting though but that I don't know I feel like a lot of people probably in the running world too are just really inspired by all of the things that you do including entrepreneur wise and I just can't imagine how busy you are on a day-to-day basis with that Mm -hmm. and school. So props to you.
2: you. Yeah, right now it's not bad because i it's like they are sold out. So I'm off until like the summer when I start um, planning to make them again. But hopefully I'm trying to get a publisher this year so that can like shift some of the responsibility from me to the publisher. So I'm not so employed full-time as a shipping person, person. (laughs)
1: boxing up the planners yeah
0: yeah.
1: um okay well for the last part of the episode I asked some people on Instagram to send in some listener questions so we can just go through them um really fast so (laughs) I think someone probably asked this out of like I don't know what the right term (laughs) is but like I I just interviewed Alexa last week and I said one of my least favorite questions to ask people is like their hobbies outside of running because a lot of pro runners don't have that many hobbies and I also hate that question but someone asked hobbies so do you have any hobbies
2: um well I like the planners I also really like reading like um classics I like to try and like check off all the classics and then I like camping a lot
1: that's cool. I mean, living in Montana or Utah, I feel like there's a lot of that out there. Yeah. Also, Utah is beautiful. Like, yeah. I only went for the first time last year. It's a gorgeous state.
2: Right? I'm biased, but I think it's the prettiest state. Yeah.
1: I, I honestly agree. It's like, I love California, but it's very beautiful in its own way. It's very that unique. unique. Um, yeah. I need to spend more time there. Maybe I should go camping out there.
2: Yeah, you can come. I'll take you. Hold yeah,
1: <laughs> sounds good. We'll plan for it this summer. Yeah. Um. So okay, next question: buns, shorts, or spandex? Buns. Yeah, I feel like anyone is gonna. I've just that
2: people who say otherwise haven't worn buns before because if they had, they would know how comfortable they are compared to spandex.
1: Yeah, there's some pairs of spandex where I really enjoy them. Like I used to race in spandex when I could, but yeah, yeah, buns. I feel like buns just look better too with the uniform on and stuff. I don't know what it is.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, how do you feel slash stay safe on trails?
2: Um, I think the biggest thing for me is like staying informed and educated. Where so like in Montana, that means carrying bear spray and just being aware that bears are a possible thing that you will encounter. Um, Where like Utah, that's not an issue. So like dependent on your area, there are different animals. Like California, you might be more concerned about rattlesnakes. Um, so just knowing like what to do when you see different things that come up, that helps me feel better. And then I don't run with music. I think that's a big thing, too. It's just oh like man, I could better. never <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> be aware of your surroundings, especially if you're like really far from where someone else could get to you. If you like fall or something happens um, yeah I think those two would be my big things
1: good answer great advice um, I already kind of asked how to get into trail running do you have any like tips
2: just go for it <laughs> that's what I yeah. do they just just get out there and don't don't feel like there's like a special fastness you need or special skill like you'll just learn as you do it more and there's plenty of apps too if you don't know like all trails is great you just Pull up the map and I'll show you the closest trails to you. Um, and that's a great place to start.
1: I feel like going with other people too would probably be fun. Yeah,
2: that's a great way too.
1: Friends. Yeah. I have like no experience. I'm just offering unsolicited advice here.
2: We're gonna go <laughs> camping and then we're going to go trail running while we're camping.
1: Wow. Oh my gosh, you can see me in my element. I'm going to fall, by the way. I always fall when I go on trails. Um, okay. Do you know Morgan Pearson? Yeah. Okay, he asked, "If you were given ten thousand dollars, but had to spend it all in one day, what would you buy?"
2: Um, maybe my student loans, or I would buy like more
1: school. (laughs) You buy your student loans. Um, (laughs) good answer. That's like smart. (laughs) Maybe I'll buy. I don't know what Morgan expected out of that, but um, I I mean that's a smart answer. You're being very smart with your money. So good job. Thank you. (laughs) Um. Favorite track workout?
2: Ooh, I kind of like 400s or miles
1: repeat. Um, interesting. 400s for a well, long uh, distance runner. Yeah, I would be like, it'd be like 2400s. I like, oh. and <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: um, 5K. 400s are fun. I like 400s as well.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, maybe not 20 of them, but <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, last question Do you have any advice that you would give to your younger self?
2: That's a good one. Um. To be like not worry so much about what other people think, because I I think I did like forge my own path, and it does appear that I like kind of dance to the beat of my own drum. But I definitely like still worry and get anxious a lot about what other people think. And I think if I could just trust myself more and not have, like, a weeks-long process of, like, deciding to trust myself, if it could be, like, a couple days even, um, that would really take a lot of the stress out of things.
1: That's good advice. I always go with the gut. I feel like the gut yeah. feeling, mm-hmm. it's always the right one. Um, well, this was a great episode. I learned a lot about you, yeah. and I'm sure a lot of other people did, too. Where can people follow you at, though I'm sure probably the majority of people that listen to this already follow you but where can they check out your stuff
2: um so i instagram twitter and website are all rayson grayson um, either underscore or a dash so you can find me there
1: awesome um well thank you so much for coming on to close out the episode can we get a good old peace out fellas peace out fellas Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode of Convas Over Cold Brew. I really enjoyed talking to Grayson and just getting to know her a little bit better. We have a lot in common, so just awesome to hear someone else's perspective on being a runner, entrepreneur, social media person. Again, if you love the podcast, it's awesome. If you rate and review on Apple Podcasts, it helps me out so much. Follow Convas Over Cold Brew Pod on Instagram to submit listener questions, and I will hear from you guys in the next one. Peace out, fellas.